0: Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at ChangeLog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Leno cloud servers. Head to Leno.com slash ChangeLog.
1: This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. If you have specific questions or concerns, we encourage you to consult a health
0: professional in your local area. From ChangeLog Media, this is Brain Science, a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain to understand behavior change, habit formation, mental health, and what it means to be human. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to transform our lives? I'm Adam Stachowiak.
1: And I'm Dr. Marielle Reese.
0: The plan wasn't exactly to talk about this global pandemic happening, coronavirus, and the main headline that's pretty much on everything right now. It We kind of have to at least touch on it because it colors everything I'm thinking about today because change is happening and uh, it's just really interesting and surreal to see shows like The Walking Dead. And while we we may, we may not actually have walkers out there kind of thing happening, but we have in many ways our our entertainment becoming reality for us. We have movies like Contagion from several years ago or different things and all these things that used to just be entertainment. And today for the entire world, it's pretty much reality. And it's just interesting how change is happening and how we all react to this change.
1: For sure. You know, it's interesting because we are apt to use what we do know to understand what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah and it's so easy to make inferences about anything really when you don't have a file for it and i find this ex- especially interesting given you know our conversation around choices more recently yeah and that choices aren't just a singular thing and that even if i make one choice there are all the dominoes that occur thereafter, right? So it's like yeah. decision dominoes and we're we're living that. So I I feel like to some degree it's living like Garmin when I'm trying to go somewhere and it's like recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Yes. Every time I'm trying to follow on a plan and so that's what I think is really important as we talk about this is recognizing the value of being adaptable.
0: I couldn't agree more, uh, being, being adaptable, uh, being agile, yeah, being flexible. These are all, uh, you know, synonyms of the same. But, you know, when you, when you hear from well-known venture capitalists, which may not be the best advice for the whole world, it just sort of resonated with me. There was this memo shared by Sequoia Capital, who's a very prestigious venture capitalist firm in, in technology and startups. And they wrote this memo to their founders and CEOs they represent. They represent like 360 different companies they've invested in. So they've got a lot of money in the in the pot, so to speak, and a lot of wisdom from leading and developing startups and business and, and all this good stuff. And they're calling this, this thing happening now, the coronavirus, a black swan for the year 2020. And their essential message essentially dwindles down to or boils down to brace for turbulence. And yeah. to me- you know, brace for turbulence doesn't mean panic. It it means prepare for change and potentially italicize, potentially discomfort as a result of that change and to be adaptable. And you've you've said it time and time again, this this word resilience. What what does that mean for you, this word resilience to be resilient?
1: Well, resilience doesn't look like I know everything that's coming my way and that I can then prepare in advance so that I know where to go, what to do, or what resources to use. But rather, this sense of, I believe that I can handle things when they're not known and look to resources, be it people or things, that help me navigate that. It's sort of like that song, like, I get knocked down, I get up again.
0: Oh my gosh, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that we have to practice a way of of getting back up and and bouncing back that you know, it doesn't mean there aren't going to be, you know changes or that we even are going to experience fear. But I think we've talked about this in the way in which we process information differently when we're reacting to a threat or and and it doesn't mean the threat is legitimate, like it's it's real like you mentioned with these movies, right? Our brain doesn't know the difference whether we sort of imagine it, like I'm visualizing it or I'm I'm living it live. Yeah. It still has to run that same neural network and so to be considerate of the way in which maybe you are someone you know is or, you know, um apt to react in this sort of threat, and then you're going to utilize your own, you know, cognitive resources very differently. Then if you can sort of calm yourself and see more panoramic as opposed to like the single screenshot of just a moment in time. Yeah. Maybe if a, a, an image for our listeners would be like the picture in picture.
0: Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. PIP, picture in picture, that little button you have on your remote. If you still have a remote, maybe you don't because <laughs> you've moved on to an iPhone based remote and, you know, now it's just a an app away instead of a remote <laughs> away. Yeah. Picture in picture is interesting.
1: Right. Because it it allows you to hold both simultaneously. Like I'm not saying don't be considerate. I mean, that's sort of foolish, wouldn't you say to be like, oh, I'm not going to get sick or oh, that doesn't that I'm, I'm impenetrable. That won't affect me. That's not really helpful, but rather recognizing that there is an active threat to people's health and That Then you have to look at the specific context of you, your family, or the people around you, be it also workplace, all of the variables, and then what is the wise thing in light of those contexts so that I can, you know, bounce back as best as I can.
0: Yeah. Call me crazy, but I... Crazy. Yeah. Call me crazy because I I really considered watching contagion as 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 a way to understand how to deal with what might happen because like i don't know like you said we don't have a file for it i don't have a file for right how to react to a global pandemic right and i don't want to say everybody panic but there's definitely something real happening here and there's a lot of unseeable things and a lot of unknown things unseeable meaning that you can't see a virus unlike Uh, The, you know, the entertainment we mentioned, the movie, The Walking Dead, for example, you see the walkers, you see the threat coming at you. And there's always music or something that sort of intros this beast or this villain coming to attack you, your enemy, essentially. But it's hard to navigate the unseeable and the unknown.
1: Right. So do you want to only focus on the unknown or are there other things you could also lend your attention to that might mitigate or buffer the unknown such as the sun rises and sets
0: right air in my lungs my family is safe for now what i'm else? gonna
1: i i really want to practice this notion of presence not like p-r-e-s-e-n-t-s but p-r-e-s-e-n-c <laughs> right spelling <laughs> on
0: a podcast is difficult <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have living to laugh at yourself live. though,
0: right? Like it's it's yeah, whatever. Right. But I'm
1: I'm practicing this way of being mindful. And so I I'm living live and, and going, what other things? Like what a lot of people don't actually realize, for example, in panic attacks, is that they are reacting to a perceived threat. And that what happens is then they hold their breath out of this place of, you know. I'm I'm fearful, I, I need to sort of hide because, right, that reptilian system gets activated, fight, flight, or freeze, and now I literally can't breathe and my brain is sending the signal that there's a danger because I'm literally not breathing. Yeah. So to some degree, going, how do I practice breath? How do I practice breathing through this unknown? And so it might look like, you know, the sun hasn't changed. It is, even though we just had daylight savings, it,
0: it it's still gonna <laughs> rise
1: think, yeah. and set. And so there is a rhythm and and that's really looking at how do I manage? I don't want it to look at like, encourage our listeners, like we can control all the things, but this is very much around management. We manage so many things in our lives. And so how do I manage my own health? How do I manage my own mind amidst this? And recognizing, right? Because we've talked about this part too. We are incredibly social species. Yeah. So if I don't know what this is going to look like, I'm probably apt to look at other people or things I know mm-hmm. re- to help me make sense of it. So, what are my friends saying? What, where is all? Where am I getting my information?
0: Right. Are they panicking? Yeah, about pan- because they're panicking. Right? Did they go and buy a bunch of bleach? Should I go buy a bunch of bleach? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, uh, you know
0: these things you're you're probably going to buy that you probably didn't typically buy because you have fear of the future. What's right. What's interesting about the breath though, Mario, is that this morning at seven thirty, my watch never uh, dings at seven thirty in the morning uh, <laughs> to tell me to breathe, but it said, "Adam, one minute of breathing could change your day." <laughs> I don't know if it was like ironic or not, but it was like That's one minute of breathing. Awesome. But you're so right because whenever. Uh, I have to remind myself, and actually doing this show with you, and this this has opened my eyes to, you know, how important, like, these little tiny things are. And when I am in a panic mode or uh, catastrophizing, which I have learned that I actually do more often than I thought I didn't. So, yeah, I deal with that. But the point is, is that I have to say, you know, Adam, breathe. Because your brain needs oxygen. Your brain needs oxygen to be rational. So if you don't breathe then you will not be rational like you want to be in this choice.
1: Yeah. So being a woman and a mom who has given birth, I have the template of birth and practicing breathing. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting going through the process because um, providers and, and, you know, prenatal sort of care involves, like, what's your birth plan? What ideally, if you could have it your way, would you want your birth experience to look like? But the ironic thing is, is while there's sort of generalities and saying this is how it usually goes most of the time, some of the times, some ways, (laughs) that may not be what your experience is. But one of the things that most women are taught is how to breathe through the pain because we know that birth or labor is an incredibly painful experience. So we don't go, well, we'll just don't just avoid it. Okay, or like hold your breath during the entire minute of pain. No, like even like in exercise, right, we're taught to breathe and that we want to be mindful of how we can practice breathing through the fear. Yeah, because it's sort of like I think I've mentioned this before, my experience with virtual reality. And going, the sensory information I was taking in visually, my visual system was telling me that there is an active, a real threat. Like, I'm going to walk off this plank out of an elevator and fall to my death. And yet I had to practice talking back, like, come on, Marielle, You know that isn't real. It's not real. You can actually, like, touch the ground (laughs) beside the wooden plank that your eyes are telling you is real. And then I could proceed. But unless or and until I brought in again that other broader picture, my my body, my brain, like it's not surprised that my body reacts to the threat to go like, hey, this is dangerous. You're you're gonna wanna not do that. So it's so much of learning how to sort of befriend yourself and work with yourself to to recognize what you're afraid of and how you could buffer that fear with additional or alternative data.
0: I had a an experience with virtual reality recently. You did? Yeah. And I was next to my aunt who uh, reacted very differently than I did, let's just say. Okay. <laughs> she was a lot of fun. She was screaming yeah. and was yelling because we were at the Space Center down in Houston And so, our VR experience was basically being an astronaut. Oh, wow. At the ISS, and you could see the Earth below you, and there was just space. So, that's completely unnatural, right? Yeah. And so, because of having these conversations with you and your experience with VR, and reminding me through your experience that it's not real, and to, you know, so I had that sort of like uh, person on my shoulder, so to speak, saying, Adam. If it was me or you, I don't know who, but just somebody was saying, Adam, this isn't real. Don't freak out. And I wasn't. But my aunt was definitely freaking out. <laughs> it was so <laughs> right? funny. But right? it's just so funny how like how that how what you see and how your brain can sort of play tricks on you that you can believe that it's real. And her reaction was like everyone around was laughing. Like they just, It was just hilarious that she was screaming that loudly about this VR experience. It was so funny.
1: So let me give you a hypothetical then. So what if in that experience, I took away the context of it being VR or having any ability to see why or what your aunt was screaming about? Would you be apt to potentially panic or scream?
0: Well, yeah, if I didn't think if I didn't think it was just entertainment, and I thought it was legit.
1: Yeah, no, I, you have you're blind. Like yeah. you have no idea why she's screaming Oh, yeah. and she's screaming in that way. Would it evoke a response within you?
0: It, well, it did. It still right? did. Like, even though I knew, it still did.
1: Yes. And so here is that social part. So here's somebody who you're connected with, who's freaking out. And if you didn't know that she was watching a VR experience, you might be apt to panic just like she did.
0: Yeah. Social pressures.
1: Yeah. We're social. Yeah, And so looking at sort of, who you're, you're spending time with and, and what you're listening to. And, and everyone is so different because look, you know, I know people close to me who've had, you know, like doctors will tell them in certain medical things like, well, the chances are like 0.1%. And they're like, yeah, well, that happened. So of course, that, yeah. those are big stats to me. Yeah. Right. But here's where like all these contextual factors are significant. For example, like you just had a baby, right? Mm -hmm. So your attention or awareness around the possibility of threat, like physically, is likely higher because you have a very vulnerable little person that you're trying to care for who doesn't have the immunity that you have, your wife has, or your other child has, right?
0: That's right.
1: So wouldn't your – So my perspective
0: is different because of – yeah because of my my responsibilities. Well, so if you have somebody who is single or doesn't have kids or only has themselves to concern themselves about and they understand their limitations and um, their vulnerability level, then their their response to a scenario like this will be will 100 percent be different because of their vulnerability level is they're less vulnerable than than maybe me and my family might be.
1: Right. so wouldn't that imply different decisions? for them yeah. than yeah. than for you, right. And so having that sense of respect around other people and then maybe actually changing it in this, you know, example, to say a single individual who doesn't have the same sort of, you know, connections or susceptible populations that they actually would maybe add that to their mental filter to go, well, maybe this isn't significant for me. Maybe mm-hmm. it is significant for somebody else. So, You know, I am going to practice washing my hands more often and being considerate in public settings like the grocery store, movie theaters, right? I mean, we know there are certain environments that tend to be more impacted, dare I say, by uh, germs. And they tend to be public where a lot of people are.
0: (laughs) Grocery carts. Yeah. Gas station pumps. Yep. These places where everybody touches it and... Yeah. They, yeah, it's it's uh it's really really interesting, honestly.
1: What if I I I posed a question to you to sort of help you and our listeners and and all of us sort of look at this through a different framework? And that is, would your decision to do X, Y, or Z be different if it were you? Like if it was you that was had a compromised immune system, would you make a different choice if you knew that it could affect you?
0: What do you mean like to be in public or to- Whatever it might like be. hear this word, uh, social distancing is, is the, the phrase being tossed around now. And as we're talking about, we're social species. So it's natural for us to be social.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. But so recognizing like, what if I myself was the contaminant? or the contaminated yeah the easy, easily impacted one would that change my choices
0: i would hope so especially if you are aware of it which is sort of half the battle is like you can be that and not be aware because of testing and things like that in this very specific scenario so yeah if i was tested and i knew it would definitely change my choices Yeah, I would, I would personally, that would totally color every choice I make. Right? Yeah.
1: So recognizing that like, while it might not be a big deal for you, to you, because it's not you, if you were them, then it would. Yeah. And so how can we, uh, like, I just think about all these conversations that we've had. And again, we're not trying to necessarily give people all the answers because of course we don't have them but rather i want people to be able to think to think differently and to to look at things from alternative perspectives so that they can be more agile or flexible in their mind and go you know while it might not directly impact me i'm not going to to do x y or z because that could be me so i'm not going to
0: what I've been asking myself more recently was, how can I be more empathetic in this position? How can I have more compassion in this scenario? And so that's sure. the question I've been asking myself. And then that gives me a chance to sort of evaluate and examine the data around me, have that panoramic view like we've talked about and say, OK, where is my position of empathy? I love that. You know, how can I do my best to to be in their position to understand their scenario, all the ways that empathy is made and and occurs, I try my best to do that. And it's not always 100% because I don't think you can have 100% empathy. You Mm -hmm. try your best to have as much as you possibly can and then be compassionate as a response of your empathetic position. So that's what I've been trying to do is like, what if it was me kind of thing?
1: Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Because it just, it, see how it changes the filter for you to then like broaden the perspective. Because, right, we we are all apt to make different decisions if we only have like a sliver of the information, right? Like I'm going to have trouble identifying things if I was only given like, <laughs> right? Think like wheel of fortune. Although wasn't it recently somebody solved a puzzle with only one letter, uh, right? Genius. But, like, <laughs> here's one letter Lucky and that's guess all you've got one of the two yeah <laughs> yeah and so really I, I think this this gets at a, a sense of how can we have empathy and respect for other people in a way in which we never had because maybe I didn't need to
0: yeah yeah I guess so I mean in a world where China from Houston, Texas seems so far away you know it's so hard to It's very difficult to empathize because, oh, that's so far away. That's not that I don't care, but it's not me. It's not in my purview right this moment. So it's not a a reaction I need to do right now, just hypothetically speaking. But in a scenario like this, when something comes from January, you know, having these occurrences and to now, like literally yesterday, the news here in Houston was like, hey, Houston Rodeo, which is – enormous two million people i mean like it's never been canceled ever in its entire history and if you know texas it's all about (laughs) it's all houston it's all about the rodeo it's all about (laughs) agriculture you know and and uh, farming and cattle and like it's it's the it's the thing here yes and so for the rodeo to be canceled is such a big deal it's almost like an eye-opener like oh my if if the rodeo is canceled it must be a big deal Right. And, and the people in China are now so much more closer to me. And I'm now able to have so much more uh, realization of my need for empathy and compassion because the world is just that small now. Yes. And we now see how fast something can change.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so with that, in this conversation, talk about, of course, there has to be future implications of this. Right. Because now we do know how interconnected we literally are. Yeah. That maybe it then changes. And this is what we're getting at of all of these unknowns. Like, well, what does it mean for how we do business? Or like look at how many people are working remotely now. I mean, I can talk about I got notification, which it's been interesting in watching the trends within the field of you know, psychology and providing psychological services because we have limitations in terms of um state standards, like there isn't any agreement while there's similarities. I can't go into another state and start practicing psychology without an active license. And yeah. so looking at how do we regulate this profession, because really the regulation is for the the patients, that they're protected. Everything is about the best interest of them. And so we got notification that there are certain insurers who created different codes that we can bill for that allow us to provide therapy via technology. Yeah. That are and then associated HIPAA compliant practice, you know, opportunities, like technologies that we can use in order to do that, which has been very sort of um, a hard time. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been controversial. <laughs> put it lightly, like, a hard no. Yeah. Because like we've talked about this sense of humanness in that it's very different to provide therapy when I only have either written words or like I don't have voice inflections and especially I don't have a face. There is so much data that I lose without body language.
0: Yeah. Body language is huge.
1: Because I can notice like congruencies or incongruencies with what people are saying, and it's it's just different, right? I mean, I think about when I want to have a hard conversation with someone. Typically, I, I want to have it face, face to face. face.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, you, you, would, you would like we got a really hard thing to talk about. Let's do a Skype. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's just something happen. I mean, maybe if if like you physically can't meet, correct? But right. if you can physically meet. In a hard situation, you want to meet face-to-face. Right. And not for the physical confrontation, but just because we're social, we're, we intermingle, we are bound by relationship. It's part of our humanity. It's it's We all struggle, as we said in the first episode of this podcast. And the other thing is we're all – we're designed for relationship. It's right. natural to want to meet face-to-face.
1: Right. And so in some ways, technology has constraints because it can't substitute for human touch. Right. But when or where can it actually be incredibly functional, helpful and supportive like now? Yeah. (laughs) Right. That like I mean, how many so many universities within the U.S. have gone to either closed campuses or the, the online format, like all classes will be in this format for X period of time.
0: It's by force, though I mean, this isn't nomination, this isn't no, like, oh, no. volunteering to do remote right this is by force, I mean there is really in many cases no other choice unless you want to be a threat to your peers and your right. peers, your neighbors, your little neighbors, you know your by, you know your your city neighbors, your state neighbors what your whatever it might be, you know right. like it's by force, sure, and so in some cases when things happen by force, there isn't a lot of knowledge around doing it. So you're sort of winging it in a lot of cases. (laughs) Like there's a lot of people right now winging working from not their normal work environment. Right. Which could be at home, could be a coffee shop, probably not a coffee shop, but it could be potentially with people they still can gather with that. I don't know. There's less threat. I don't know where there's the social uh, distancing is, is not a thing.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting. In my email this morning, ironically, I got notification from Starbucks because
0: again, <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> no,
0: but, half price lattes. Like, <laughs> what was them? <it? laughs> I'm on the seat of my pants. <laughs> what is it
1: that they, you know, are taking from their experience internationally and what they can offer here within the states? I mean, to go, we're we're being considerate of you know, the cleanliness of our um, stores and operations and we're continuing to operate as normal. However, we, we will hold the right to go to only drive through or only Uber options or mobile pickup orders, right. That there's other constraints imposed. Yeah. Right. It's going, how do I, how do I take the better within the bad?
0: Yeah. Right. I like that. Uh, analogy because I never really consider the better of the bad. It's always like, uh, it's all bad. (laughs) How do you just, how do you choose the bad, the better of the bad?
1: Well, right. It's sort of like my, I have multiple options and they all to some degree suck. (laughs) (laughs) They stink. It's not what I want. However, you know, looking at the ways in which we've adapted over the years, right. Going back to where we started, we change. We know that years ago, All of our exposure to technology is changing our brains and the ways in which they work. Well, is that good? Is that bad? Is that right? Is that wrong? Like, sure. Yes. All we know that is that it's going to be different. So technology, like once upon a time, Adam, I believe you probably remembered a lot more phone numbers than if I were to ask you today, the phone numbers you could actually recall by memory.
0: Yeah, there's a small handful.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, like probably like literally one handful. I could probably recall.
1: Right. So I always have to remember that I don't have access to, you know, certain clinical data if our phone system goes down because our phone system is connected to cable, which is Internet.
0: Right. The cloud or yeah. It's almost like our technology is a trap.
1: Yeah. It's a constraint. Right. And and that that isn't one that I can sort of usurp or go around.
0: Yeah. In this world, though, of going remote, you know, we have a lot of unknowns happening there. And, you know, all I can say is that it's it's great because I'm an advocate for remote work, but not all jobs can be done remotely. I'd mentioned Houston. Obviously, we uh, are in the oil and gas or the energy corridor, which they call it. And, you know, I know a lot of people who, they just apply one part to and manage one part to an oil well and unless they can be on site and do that thing then they don't have a job to do so not all jobs can done can be done remotely
1: yeah you want to try farming (laughs) (laughs) right
0: yes i mean I mean, I, i guess the point is is that there's just so much so much change happening and this idea of being adaptable to this change i'm not sure that you can plan or prepare well enough for a dramatic 180 change of of a lot of things.
1: No, but I will guarantee you this. You won't find a way that will work unless you're looking for some way. So this is like, can we be creative? It's sort of like we've talked about, how do we practice living like water? Water will indefinitely like find some crack, some access point, some way to make a way when there is no way.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: And going it's this sense of pliability and flexibility. It doesn't mean it's preferred, like, hmm, this is good. yeah. But we we have that ability to change. But it, like we've said, it's going to fare better if we participate in our choice in the changes. You could say, well, I don't really want to work remotely or I, don't, I, I want to be able to go out. I mean, I think that's really one of the challenges within this of like people go stir crazy. Like not like I have any idea with living in Western Washington throughout the winter months.
0: Oh no, no, no <laughs> experience people- with that at, at all. Which is also important to kind of mention too that you know you're in the Seattle area. Yeah. So it's not yeah. as if you're not like within the threat zone, so to speak. Yeah. You know you're, you're not you know you're not coming from a position of comfort. You're coming from <laughs> a position of of ang- you know, potential anxiety. I don't even know you know that. Yeah. Because. It's so close.
1: Yeah. Yes. And and very much so, you know, travel plans with, you know, things we had planned to do with friends or family and and reexamining those and going are those worthwhile? Like do we change them? If so, what would that look like? And what are the potential hazards? So, you know, I think like you you started in talking about it it's hard to think about Anything else. But what if we sort of began to look at it as just a point of data that we incorporate to our decision making? Remember, when things are new, they're not well practiced, they take more energy. Yeah. And so to allocate and allow for, like, hey, what other options are available to me if this is now a factor in the choices, I think that's going to look different for all of us.
0: Yeah. The one thing that keeps coming back to me is this brace for turbulence, this idea of not panicking, this idea of being adaptable, this idea of being flexible, and that change is going to happen. Sometimes it might not be comfortable change, but it's going to happen and sort of just mentally prepare for that. I don't know how else to say it except for just being mentally prepared for change that it's going to happen.
1: So that's interesting. And I'm, I'm glad you revisited that because my question to you would then be what is your perspective on turbulence? Do you have any feelings about turbulence?
0: Like literal turbulence? Like the, the, yeah. the yeah. to use the analogy in, in little yes. senses. So I've been yeah. on a plane before.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Ha- have you been through turbulence?
0: Um, so I'm trying to think of like how dramatic. I wouldn't say like overly dramatic turbulence to the point where I'm like, this plane is going to crash, but definitely some bumpy flights where I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) I'm going to lose it. You know, actually it was on my way to Denver once I was like, we were about to land and we hit some like coming into Denver for some reason, like right when you're about to land, it gets really hard. And me, I was with Ben Gillen, a, a friend of mine and, We were both like, dude, are you going to throw up? I'm like, I'm so close to throwing up. Like we couldn't believe how bad the the turbulence was. Right. And we were blindsided by it because we didn't expect it.
1: But so if I'm going back to your experience of that contributes to you, your feeling around it and then your response to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I only I can only react from my own file. The file I have (laughs) for it is my is my my uh, my data source for reaction.
1: Exactly. So I could say my data source when I've been in turbulence like it's super fun to me. Huh. Uh, <laughs> right? You can be like and Mary, that's why you're a psychologist. There's a little sickness. Yeah. But <laughs> but it's in part because I I did gymnastics for so much of my life and so it's this and and doing things from different levels of height that feeling my stomach drop or going on, you know, roller coasters and this uncertainty is to some degree fun. And like, oh, like what's next? And that like writing it out. So I don't get nauseous when I go through turbulence. Mm. But maybe I haven't been on turbulence that was as bad as yours,
0: Well, which would. Yeah, well, i tell you, I didn't panic. I wasn't like, oh, we're in a crash. I braced for change.
1: Right, but it was uncomfortable. And it didn't mean that it didn't nearly make you sick. And so with this, if we're going around this analogy and trying to help our our listeners be considerate, like if they're reacting what they perceive to be disproportionately, like, huh, maybe you go investigate sort of how you've made associations around that. Or if there is some other sort of threat or vulnerability that you didn't know that you had. Yeah. Which is prompting more of the panic. Yeah because this is just it we can we have i want people to bring online more of a broader thought process to be able to reflect and if we're going to reflect we have to use more of our neocortex right yeah cuz cats and dogs don't usually think about their thoughts nor do reptiles right and so when we reflect we can be more considerate of like i have a template or i don't or i have feelings about you know perceived unknowns right like think about people who like surprises do you like surprises do you like to be surprised
0: well my birthday's coming up (laughs) and my wife has something planned so and and like part of you wants to know what it is today so like the answer is kind of like no but kind of like like yeah too so it's kind (laughs) of like no and yeah no I don't really like surprises but I enjoy them when I get them
1: yeah Well, so everybody has a different take on how they yeah, how they respond to surprises. And so like you could say some people are like, yeah, it's an adventure and I love it. Whereas other people might be like, no, no, like I need to know what's coming. So they're probably going to respond in a more activated or elevated way. That's okay.
0: Yeah. It's also different too when people feel or don't feel supported. Yes. By others. Yeah. And others is such a wide, you know, wide spectrum of others. You know, I I think like, you know, I live in Houston, rural Houston in in Texas. And I couldn't imagine if I was in New York City, how like I would feel, I would probably panic if if I was in New York City. Yeah. So if I like had those big buildings around me and all those people around me in that place, I can. Recognize and empathize and be compassionate to somebody who's panicking that lives there. Not complete and utter crazy panic. I would, you know, but I can I can empathize with them doing so. I wouldn't say like, oh, you shouldn't be panicking.
1: So because
0: there's just so many people around. It's, It's a such a such a dense population.
1: Okay, so taking this another step further, if we're wanting to get practical, if you're aware that you would panic in a setting such as New York. What would how would you respond to that internal experience or emotional experience?
0: The panic, you mean?
1: Yeah. Would you just like hunker down? Would you isolate? Would you like try to get away?
0: No, I don't think I would try to get away. But um, uh, Maybe potentially I might be like, I gotta get out of the city. I mean, because I've been in uh, hurricane scenarios here in Houston, like back to Houston again. We've had hurricanes and I've fled to Austin or San Antonio In a couple different hurricane scenarios because it made sense then the highways and the ability to was uh, to flee to to seek safety, to seek refuge was Mm -hmm. uh, an ability. It was an option. So I took it. Yeah. So if fleeing was an option, I would consider it. Right. Although if I had my family in this in the same scenario here now in in New York City. It would be hard, I don't know, I just don't know, I don't know what I would do. That's the point is like how can you how can you manage and how can you navigate the unseeable unknown and that's that's hard
1: so then I would say, who or what would you utilize or look to to help you make more decisions? I'm totally putting you on the spot.
0: no, that's fine. I like this. uh, I would probably say. People I know and trust. Yeah. And that's a wide spectrum too. It could be yeah. literal people I know or news sources or potentially people I've never met on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for some rational thought. Like are they panicking? Am I? Should I panic? No. Yes. No. Whatever. I would seek people that I've got sound advice from yes. before that has led me down a path that I'm optimizing for.
1: See, there are strategies and options that are available. They might not be ideal and they might not totally safeguard you, but they would provide you with an opportunity to change your experience and potentially modify or manage the panic. And that is is where we go. Like, we're not in charge of everything that we encounter throughout our lives, But we want to look for ways that we can navigate them as best we can within those constraints, wherein we have some sense of safety, both with other people and within ourselves. It's simply important to not just accept your circumstances as your only way. Like, you are just at the mercy of what happens to you. Stuck. Yeah. I mean... Well, just like on turbulence, there are constraints. You cannot get off of the airplane without other severe consequences. But rather, who else or what else will help you buffer that as you don't know what to expect in the future? This is why the flight attendants or the pilot talk to you and give you updates and say, this is what's going on. They name it to tame it. And this is how we can practice utilizing resources, skills, and strategies to manage ourselves and our lives with others in a much more effective way.
0: All right. Discuss this and all our episodes at changelaw.com. If you're curious, open the show notes for this episode and click discuss on Changelog News. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast at changelog.com slash brainscience. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and anywhere else you can get podcasts. Huge thanks to our partners Fastly, Rollbar, and Linode. And when we need music, we summon the Beat Freak Breakmaster Cylinder. We love those beats. Hope you do too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.